When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Guys, if you're not subscribed to Back for Seconds, what are you doing? What are you doing? You don't want early episodes. You, you don't, don't want, want episodes from Sammy and Aileen. You don't want ad free. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> you got to get it. Go to subscribe.betches.com to get on that train because it's a fun ride. Just a reminder that Diet Starts Tomorrow is a podcast for entertainment purposes only. It is not a medical podcast and does not constitute medical advice. Always seek the advice of a physician or a health professional. Betches Media presents Diet Starts Tomorrow. I stand behind my decision to avoid salad and other disgusting things. With hosts Remy Casimir. I'll have what she's having. And Emily Lubin. Remember, shoot like you have a secret. We're here to amuse your boosh. Hello and welcome to Diet Starts Tomorrow. I'm Emily. And I'm Remy. And today we're joined by two very exciting guests, Sammy Previtt and Jenna Werner. Um, they are intuitive eating registered dietitians and hosts of the podcast, What the Actual Fork, which we went on. And now they're here. Welcome, you guys. So excited. Yes. So excited. It's like a round two. Mm-hmm. I know. Pod we swap. had a blast on your podcast. We actually. talked a lot. I we talked like we're just a lot. Shit. I feel yeah. like it was like an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a long so one. Long. Yeah. Listen to part one, you guys. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess for our audience who are not familiar, can you guys talk about how you got into dietetics and what your education was like? And also, I, I know that you veer towards the anti-diet methodology. Did you have to learn about weight management uh, as part of your formal training? I'd love to know about that. Sam, you go first. I was going to say, who wants to take it first? (laughs) So Jenna and I both went to Penn State, but I will let her speak on her experience as well. (laughs) So went into college knowing I wanted to help people, but really didn't know in what capacity. Yeah. Um, somehow ended up as a nutrition major with a kinesiology minor. And I am a certified personal trainer as well now. Don't really use it as much, but just more for the knowledge. Mm -hmm. So went into the field of nutrition saying, I want to help people lose weight and find the magic answer. And they're going to love life because I was always searching for that. So college was really the root of my disordered eating behavior. And it just, you know, binge drinking and restricting and binging and all of the things. And so I walked across the stage at graduation, hating my body, not having the magic answer and going to become a dietitian. I was like, something is not right here. Mm. So our education at Penn State, and again, Jenna can speak on her experience there, but all of the classes were, we literally had a class called weight management. Uh-huh. So yeah, so for me, it wasn't until post 
dietetic internship. I had my RD credential. I was in private practice helping people lose weight where I was like, something is just not right because I would hear from clients maybe a few months or a few years down the road if they could muster up over the shame and guilt and say, you know, they're like, I fell off, heavy air quotes, or I need a reset, heavy air quotes. And I was like, this is just not working. So I was lucky enough to stumble upon the intuitive eating um, paradigm through a colleague. And once I read the book and learned more and dove deep and about health at every size and the anti-diet approach, I really never looked back. And I realized, oh, the magic answer is intentional weight loss is not the answer. Right. So bringing that whole... Full circle there. That was really poetic. Why, thank you. Yeah. So my story is pretty similar. Um, Also went to Penn State. Had no idea that being a dietitian was a thing. Um, I also was, when my counselor asked me what I liked, I said food and people. And she was like, be a dietitian. Like, what is that? So (laughs) Or a restaurateur. You know what's funny? So I majored in hotel restaurant management. (laughs) I could (laughs) see that for you. At Penn State, we would would wear the polos and make pizzas with the hair bonnets on in the um, dining halls. Oh, Sodexo workers. I love it. Oh, heck yes. That's what we were. My internship was Aramark. So very similar. (laughs) But I did a nutrition... um, minor actually and ended up sitting for the registered dietitian exam and similar to sam i was super disordered out of college Mm -hmm. i went through pretty much every area of the nutrition space before entering private practice so i worked in hospitals i worked in long-term care i worked for Shoprite supermarkets if you guys i'm familiar and jenna was my boss (laughs) that's true that's how Um, we know each other that's how we met yeah um and then i eventually went into private practice under the intention of helping people lose weight. My Instagram name at the time was Happy Slim Healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's really yeah. bad. <laughs> and, and we had a couple glasses of wine and I was like, we need to change she that. She literally looked at me and she was like, we can't be friends if your name stays like that. Like, I was like, thinking okay, cool. about this for so, months. We need to unpack this yeah. together. Her husband literally said, because he was watching us, he was like, Sam, put your wine glass down. You guys should think about this before you do anything serious. <laughs> Here we but, are. So anyways, um, through my own experiences in hitting rock bottom in the intentional weight loss space, I explored other areas of the nutrition field as well, like not Mm -hmm. fully jumping over the fence into intuitive eating fully. I was what was called a fence straddler for a very long time. And it really wasn't until we started our podcast almost four years ago now um, that I really learned that there is another way to talk about health in a weight neutral approach that leads to these lifelong outcomes where people actually feel better and their health improves and their life improves at the same time. So it was about three and a half years ago that I fully jumped over the fence into the weight neutral anti-diet space. And it's it's really the place to be. Yeah. It's a lot happier over here. A lot less yeah. shame. Yeah, you guys are yeah. glowing. Thank I think it's you. the lack She's of also shame pregnant, and guilt. I'm also so. very well, pregnant and sweaty, glowing. But <laughs> <laughs> and how I'll did you my ice packs? <laughs> oh yeah. Um, how did you guys start the podcast? I think we needed emotional support during COVID. Well, we had been talking about it for a while. She used to be my boss. So we used to work together every day. When I told her I was leaving, she about murdered me. Called it the worst day of my life. (laughs) 
So I was like, yeah, I'm actually moving to Florida with my boyfriend. And she's like, he didn't put a ring on it. I don't think you should leave. I tried yeah. so hard Honestly, to keep her. solid advice. I tried yeah. so but hard to keep her. Married, <laughs> kids. Yes. <laughs> but I think we just, we missed working together and being together and having conversations. And in private practice, it's really lonely because, yeah. of course, you're connecting with your clients. Um, but if you don't have a staff or a, a big team, we just wanted to collaborate and have conversations and learn and grow. So during COVID, we're like, let's do the damn thing and just yeah. started zooming it up. But like, let's be honest, we started it under a very different name. And yeah. what was oh, wait, do you, don't we, we told you, I feel like. Oh, I time. forgot. What was it? Drunk dietitian. <gasps> because we were fun dietitians. Yes. I'm being very cringy on purpose. I'm a cool mom. I'm a cool mom. I'm yeah. a cool dietitian. And then we were like, oh, this is like not No, we us. got called out quite a few times and then we realized how miss, what's the right word? Like miss misrepresented. Yeah. yeah. And we'd be like fake drinking. We would like pour LaCroix in a wine glass and we're like, well, we're not even drinking. You're so like, yeah. like in your words for like, no reason. There's no reason yeah. for this. We were all happy hour. <laughs> and, but. Then we, and then like I went through like a very sober period. So I was like, wait, this is just like, mm -hmm. but I think that was after we changed it at that point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it just didn't fit us at all. And then once you explore your relationship with food, the relationship with alcohol is really that next step we see for a lot of people. Yeah. And we know that addiction is so tied into recovery as well. So it was just many red flags popping up. We got to change this. It's so crazy that you say that because that has been my experience too. Because mm -hmm. even after recovering from a serious eating disorder, I was still binge drinking and yep. really not because it's so encouraged in oh, yeah. our culture, socially, especially like in your thirties. I feel like and in you, New York. Yes, I mean, yes, yeah. because no one's driving and everything's. Mm -hmm you know, open late. And I think in your thirties, you do a lot of accidental binge drinking where it's like, I went to dinner and oops, I drank a bottle of wine. <laughs> yeah. And like, I just couldn't live like that anymore. But I did feel like the intuitive eating principles helped with that transition too. Absolutely. Because mm -hmm. you were more aware of how you were feeling in your body, physically, mentally, emotionally. So once you start to recognize, oh, alcohol doesn't make me feel pleasant, Hmm. Why oh, yeah. do I drink? Yeah. Right. And start to unpack that. And Just then to you... do something with my hands. Yeah. Sometimes it's like right? go play Jenga. Yeah. <laughs> That's better. Yes. Bring Yahtzee with you. Are yes. you guys um, still seeing clients? Our practices are. Yeah. Um, I would say I see very few clients. I'm definitely winding down. Mm -hmm. Um, but you have a Sam, new little client brewing. Yeah, he was like, I told Sam as we were driving here, I was like, I don't know if he's throwing up or like puking in there right now or something's happening. But there's rumbles. Um, just excited to be here. But our, both of our practices are active in seeing clients. Mm -hmm. Yes. OK, great. And I mean, you kind of touched on this before. You said you were a fence straddler um, I or feel a splinter like, asser. Sometimes yeah. we say that, too. Oh, I've never heard that one. Yeah, you got a splinter in your ass. You got to pull it out. Got it. Got it. Well, I feel like there are a lot of fence straddlers just because a lot of people are interested in intuitive eating and they want to break the diet cycle but they still want to lose weight and they still have, you know, a very strong desire to change their bodies. So I think a lot of people try to um, meld the two and say like, well, if I start intuitive eating, then maybe it'll lead to weight loss, which sometimes it does, but mm -hmm. not always. What do you say to a client or I guess what would your practices, how would they treat a client that came in and they were a fence still straddler? Still very body focused. Yeah. I think, you know, the first thing to just say and put out there is that most people that I personally work with do still have a desire to physically change their body because 
we're raised in this society where that's so normalized, right? And they don't know how to have a goal that's not surrounding that in some Mm -hmm. capacity. But when we start to work together or before we start to work together, it's more of this understanding that that is not our focus, that Mm. it's okay that you still have this thought and that this desire, because again, we live in this society where, you know, let's just say it, it's basically pushed in our faces wherever we look, right? Yeah. Um, but you have to be willing to put your health first and to focus on this weight-neutral approach, which is going to focus on your behaviors and focusing on how you feel. Mm-hmm. And if your physical body is the only thing you are focused on, you can't focus on your health. So how are the your practices like monitoring that health? Like how often are there check-ins? What do those check-ins look like? Yeah, so I just really want to quickly bounce off of Jenna real quick. Sure. And and you did a wonderful job explaining that and saying the desire to lose weight mm-hmm. is different than intentional pursuit of weight loss. So I don't think there is yeah. ever a person that comes into our practices that doesn't desire it still. Because if that's like speaking Spanish for 20 years, right? If you've been dieting for 20 years and then you wake up the next day and you're like, okay, you're only speaking German now. And it's like, wait, I've been speaking Spanish for 20 years. Mm-hmm. So like I'm we've... still going to think in Spanish sometimes, yeah. like even though German will come out, it's exactly. like that thought is not the same as yes. so if speaking we've been... German. Yes, a very great Spanish. analogy that I just whipped out. <laughs> but so if we've been chasing intentional weight loss for 20 years, we're not just going to hear the intuitive eating message and snap our fingers mm-hmm. and be like, right. oh, great. I'm not going to chase intentional weight loss anymore. Um, but or that's very relieving, honestly, because yeah. I, I felt very like regressive uh, anytime I have a thought that's like, oh, that would be good. It's so you know? normal. Yeah. Mm. And I think and I think some of that gets lost online. And especially we were both fence straddlers for a long time. So professionals that are newer to the space, maybe their verbiage isn't there yet, where it, it's important for people to know it's okay if you have these thoughts. Mm. So my therapist told me something really recently that I used with anxiety that I've now been correlating to my clients who have these thoughts. Whereas like when it comes to anxiety, what she said to me, she was like, it's not that we want this stress or the anxiety to go away. That's unrealistic, right? Or that thought to go away. If you put it towards the weight loss thought, she's like, but every time it pops up, the goal needs to be that the intensity Mm -hmm. and the time that it takes is shorter to, to and go, yes. lower. Yeah. That that intensity lessens yeah. that of like what that thought is yeah. or yeah. how it impacted your mm-hmm. life and the amount of time that it impacted your no your next step or your next choice. Totally. If that can lessen, then we're getting to a good place. Yeah. Does it ruin the day or is it like that was an annoying thought? Okay. So I gave her an example and she was like, well, Jenna, that sounds like we went from like a nine to a six. I was like, I love the six area because I could still go on with my life. That's <laughs> right. It's still manageable at a six. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like I wasn't paralyzed by it or yeah. every choice that I made after that anxiety, you know, occurred that wasn't impacting me negatively. So yes. if that thought pops up and we can get it down, right? And mm. so that the next choice that you make is maybe to have breakfast or lunch lunch or the next snack or meal, like we're working in a great place. I had a thought the other day, did I deserve that thought? And then I just went, yes. You know, that's the right answer. The immediate response. I love that. (laughs) When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. 
But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. This episode is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick but can't always find the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you, Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for this season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. And you always have the option to buy what you love. I love Newly. I've rented so many cute things from there, and I've even made a few purchases from there. And They're always spot on. They have so many brands that I honestly could never afford in real life, so it's great to be able to rent them. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles, but right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DST20. Just go to Newly, that's N-U-U-L-Y.com, and enter the code DST20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com, Newly with two U's, with code DST20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. I'm not going to lie. I was creeping on your Instagrams today. and um, <laughs> I know. I saw you, you followed do. me today. Yes, I, 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 I thought like, I was hey, following you already. It's fine. It's not fine. Well, I knew you were creeping on me. Then I was like, oh, yes. Emily's doing some homework. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but, you know, I'm sure you get a lot of trolling. Um, and I know that your field is one that's like, it's not only so inconclusive with like so many different studies and so much information from different places, but it's also emotional for people. So people get fired up. And somebody wrote a, a comment on one, of, I believe it was one of your videos, Sammy. And um, it was something like, why are we demonizing people wanting to lose weight? Uh, some of us want to lose weight for ho- hormonal reasons. Mm-hmm. I went on a diet for hormonal reasons. And that's, you know, it, the weight loss was because of that. And it made me think, to, to be quite honest, I don't really know what that means. Exactly. Like, I don't know why you would need to lose weight for hormonal reasons. Mm-hmm. But like, do you think there are... Maybe like endo or PCOS? Like- right, but it kind of made me think like, so somebody must have to lose weight for those right like somebody must have told them that weight loss itself was necessary exactly which is all of the medical not all excuse me most (laughs) of our medical professionals are rooted in diet culture and weight stigmatizing language so this goes back to remy's question too like how do you monitor health yeah i think everyone is told you need to lose weight for two reasons one for your health that's like what people believe mm-hmm. or two, you'll love yourself mm-hmm. more, right? Or you'll have more confidence. Yeah. 
I'm sure you guys can attest to this with eating disorder or whatever you've been through that you can be in a smaller body and you still fucking hate yourself. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You don't look in the mirror and be like, oh, good, good. Now we're good. Right. Like it's all good now. Yeah. No, you think back to that smaller version of you and it was never enough. That's not the magic goal. Exactly. Yeah. So I think when people say things like that, like you said, they could have gotten that advice from a medical professional. And I think it comes back to, okay, if you do need to improve your health, First of all, what does that mean to you? Because everyone's definition of health is different. But if it is a blood glucose level or a hemoglobin A1C or blood pressure or whatever, there are things we can do from a behavior change standpoint that will improve your health uncoupled from changing the size of your body. Some examples increasing nutrient density. Mm -hmm. We can do that without focusing on weight loss, hydration status, stress management techniques, sleep hygiene, movement that you enjoy. All of these things will have better health outcomes uncoupled from changing the size of your mm -hmm. body. But it's so hard when you're so deeply rooted in diet culture that people just will see my video and they, they're just not looking through the same lens. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where those comments come from. Yeah, I, I always say it with intuitive eating, I think it's really easy to read the headline, but not read the article. Correct. People like, think it's just eat whatever the fuck you want. Right. That's what. Just that's eat the what, cookie. Just eat the damn cookie. When you Which is part of it. Yeah. And again, Google when we were fence straddling and you first find it to me, you're like, oh my God, I can eat whatever I want. <laughs> and when you've been restricting mentally and you know physically for however many years, that is like that first step mm -hmm. is eating all the things. Yes. You, you have to do that for a while to then Correct. normalize the fact that all foods do fit yes. into your life and and whatnot. And then eventually you, you achieve a balance. But actually that reminds me of something that I that we were talking about that I wanted to ask you about, which is we have many people come in and I've heard a, a few of them say something like, oh, I used to eat a whole sleeve of cookies I, and I had such a sweet tooth. But now that I'm an intuitive eater, I just eat one and that's enough for me. And that satisfies mm -hmm. that craving. Personally, that's not me. Like yeah, I still yeah. eat, you know, she four said or that five to cookies. Me and I was like, what's wrong with four or five cookies? Like that's, yeah. and that's, it's not that, you know, anything is wrong with it. It's just that hearing so many people say, oh, now that I allow all foods, now I just, I only need one to satisfy that craving. Is that not just another form of the diet mentality? I always think about that because I'm not satiated after one. Like I need three or four or five. And I'm just curious, like, how do you feel about that? Yeah. I mean, and I would love to hear your thoughts, but there's no wrong way to intuitively eat. I mean, if you want three or four or five. To intuitively eat a Reese's. <laughs> there you go. Oh my God. Don't say that. I'm going to crave it now. For Sorry. Hours. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, there, there's, I think it's, it might be, and I'm not saying you in particular, but it's easy to still get caught up in that comparison. Well, why is that not my intuitive eating outcome, right? Mm -hmm. Just how some people might naturally or unintentionally lose weight in intuitive eating. And it's like, well, why am I not losing weight with intuitive eating? Everyone is different. Mm -hmm. But you wanting more cookies than someone else doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. Doesn't mean it's bad whatsoever. Got it. So you wouldn't say that like, if you're doing it correctly, I mean, I know you wouldn't say this, but like, <laughs> you know, like wanting to eat a lot of sweets isn't necessarily abnormal or no. strange. Because like that seems to be a common thread that I hear over and over. And I'm like, yeah, that's not me. But so this is the my question, too, about like the check-ins. Like, are there being bloods done? Like, how often? And because I think a lot of people, if they were to hear like just eat a ton of candy, they'd be like, 
that's bad. Right. Well, and I feel like, am I telepathically reading your brain you. of what you were going to say to her? Of, Try me. Is it? Because I feel like I'm reading her. I can see her body language. Would you be like, what is your intake earlier in the day? Yeah. I knew it. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Take it. We Take it away, We were talking sis. about that. No, but I think there's like a lot going on in this question. And I think the biggest takeaway that I have just from this conversation and what we're all seeing on social media is if somebody's saying that after a certain amount of time of eating intuitively, you're only going to eat one cookie or you're not going to eat a lot of candy, mm-hmm. that's a big red flag, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because nobody has a crystal ball to say exactly what you are going to do. Mm-hmm. Especially it's, in a day, in a moment, yeah. in a situation. There's so much that impacts your intake and each day. And there's so much that impacts your choices of what you're going to eat each day too, right? It could be emotions. It could be... Temperature outside. Like <laughs> You're not craving some hot soup right now. Well, somebody at the restaurant we went to was eating hot soup and I was sweating watching them. But to each their own. (laughs) I've Um, actually heard um, hot soup on a hot day does cool your body down. I'm actually sweating. (laughs) We're going to have to fact check that. Well, because I think it's like the temperature versus your internal body temperature. I don't know why I'm science-splaining something that I don't understand, but I have heard it. And I will follow up I'm going to Google it in my Uber after I think to go back to that question, the reality is, is that like, yes, if I had a client who, if we were watching let's say their food journals where they're really showing us what they're eating from a way that we can watch like how they're feeling i have my clients keep food journals from a perspective to make sure that a we're eating enough Uh and b it's really to track the emotions around the food Mm. because we do a lot with disordered eating and eating disorder recovery Mm. so it's making sure our clients are nourished but also that the emotions surrounding the choices are rooted in the right intention so if we see a client that's eating let's say a large amount of candy every single night but they're skipping breakfast and a snack in the morning and they're just hungry at nighttime. Mm -hmm. We work on flipping those behaviors to add in more nutrients or more food in general in the morning hours so that we have a better understanding of what our body needs at nighttime. It might still need slash want all the candy, but we can have a better connection to how that's making us feel when we're properly nourished throughout the day. Yeah. So do you advise them to write it like just as they've eaten it and then the emotion or? So we have a photo journal uh-huh. essentially. So I don't want anyone tracking any type of portions or anything along no those numbers. lines. Yeah. No numbers. It's just a picture. And Got it's it. like this after eating this, I'm still very, very hungry, you know, mm-hmm. going to have a snack or after eating this, I'm feeling a little bit guilty because this is the first time I've eaten, you know, white rice in mm-hmm. X amount of months. Um working on it and that will trigger the dietitian to bring that up in their next session cool yeah no i love that pick taking a picture instead of having to write it down because sometimes having to write it down is just so stressful too much processing and stressful yeah and the photo too it's not like something that's in your camera roll it's like part of the app that we use which i think you use the same one we do we don't do food food journaling in our practice but it's not something we're against by any means it's just a different methodology than we use Mm mm-hmm but it's like a, it doesn't have to like live in your photo no. albums. Right. It, yeah. um, it just goes right into the app and then it's gone. So it's just That's nice to keep nice it nice HIPAA protected. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Do you ever see a picture of something and you're like, wow, you couldn't pay me to eat that? <laughs> A lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what I would be focused on is like, you, you ate the, or the egg whites? From- years, years ago when we used to do it, or someone would send like one pickle through or so, you know, just something very random that it's like every little bite and it would just be, it would be interesting to see. Another way to just to add on of how we track in our practice, we use the evidence-based assessments through Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch, who are the co-founders of Intuitive Eating. So there's a lot of great 
information you can gather from those of physically, socially, psychologically, and behaviorally, the implications that dieting puts on us. Mm. So for example, like in the social column, day one, clients will check off how many of these behaviors or things are you seeing in your life? And some of it might be, I performatively eat and order certain things in front of friends to feel more oh healthy, right? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. or I pack my food for a social event mm-hmm. or I don't allow myself certain foods when I'm out or I only allow certain foods when I'm out, those kind of things. So m- the majority of clients we work with when we give them the sheet on day one, it's either like 80 to 100% checked off. And so okay. air quotes like progress is as we continue to work with them, how many of these boxes are we unchecking where mm-hmm. you say these behaviors just aren't don't serve me don't anymore. serve and one yeah. of those behaviorally which makes me think of you Remy is I avoid physical intimacy mm. for because of my body and mm-hmm. I say that because of your other podcast mm-hmm. not that I don't want to be physically <laughs> intimate with you like, how am I connecting this um, but and so those are things that we look at because that yeah. that's a huge part of the intuitive eating oh, journey as well 100%. and I know we talked a little bit about that on part one on our yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like it it veers more towards emotional results than physical or or are you looking at blood work and things like that? Oh, definitely. We're yeah. both, you know, clinically trained registered dietitians. So we will recommend full blood panels. And especially mm-hmm. if people have medical diseases, conditions, you know, we, we work with people with diabetes and hypothyroidism and all of the things. And I mean, I have a perfect example. I worked very recently with a client who came to me because she was like, I have an increase in my bowel movements. That's mm-hmm. not normal for me. And it's like, not fun. It's not enjoyable. Yeah. I don't think it is related to IBS or, you know, any type of actual diagnosis, but I'm uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. this is coming out of nowhere. Like, do we think it's something connected to what I'm eating? And through our work together, we worked together for three ish months, we realized it was all stress related. Right. And so being able to connect those dots, like, hey, you're doing so many great things. I'm a stress for your pooper body. too. No, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was thinking it's super normal. It's always run out. Your head in the gut. Anxiety yes. diarrhea is real. Oh my God, it's the worst. But diarrhea. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Put it on t shirt. <laughs> but it's also something that like if you look on social media, if you look at elimination diets and all of these things like you think there's something wrong with you you think you're eating something yeah wrong. I need to avoid this and then Let I want gluten and dairy or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be and we jump to these things that are actually not making it any better for our health right when it could be as simple as and one of the techniques that we went over was try taking a deep breath before you eat right? Like Mm. if you're at work and you're feeling super stressed and you're eating at your desk and you're going into this meal heightened, your cortisol is up, you're not digesting that food. Mm -hmm. It's not possible, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. you're going to go to the bathroom or you're going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to feel bloated. That could be the most nutrient dense or not meal in the world. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. So what are some strategies that we can put into place to help your body like recognize it's okay. It's safe. It's allowed to digest the food, eat it, and then move on, Mm -hmm. right? So like nutrition, I think people get so confused, especially in the anti-diet space. Like it's not really about food (laughs) like Mm -hmm. at all. We rarely talk about food. I mean, we do, but it's about your health is about so much more than that. Yeah. Um, And I think that that just often gets so confused in the wellness culture that we live in. It's your mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And no one's coming to us saying, what foods are good for my health? 
Like no one's asking that. Because everybody right. knows the answers now. Yeah. Right? Like you <laughs> know what nutrient dense foods are pretty much. Right. But when we look at health as a whole and look at the determinants of health, I think it's less than 9% of our overall health is impacted by how we move our bodies and what we put in them. And mm-hmm. what is diet culture? Eat less, move more. That's all yeah. we yeah. hear. And, and it'll solve all your problems. All your problems. Have you ever had anyone come in who just genuinely did not know about the nutritional values of different foods? I think like one, I can think of one, like she was such a unicorn client where she had no disordered eating, like no body uh-huh. image stuff. And she's like, I just want to learn nutrition science. And I was like, that's oh my so God. cute. She was so cute. <laughs> she's like, what is a calorie? Yeah. Like she just doesn't use Google, I guess. And I was like, that's fine. But other than her, like, no. And maybe once we get, you know, gentle nutrition is a principle of intuitive eating. So mm-hmm. we do with clients, once they have a neutral relationship with food, don't feel guilt and shame. They might want to balance their blood sugar more or you know find ways to have more balanced snacks increase their fiber intake it like those are things again that are a part of intuitive eating but i think mm-hmm. that comes back to what people think intuitive eating is is just eat whatever you want but nutrient density is a part of it and i also think a lot of people come to us thinking they know the nutritional value of food that's or it's, true right? right or thinking they know what's best for yeah. them and then like it completely changes when they leave yeah <laughs> Warmer weather is finally back. After so many cold months, it's nice to get outside and soak up the sun. But the springtime always brings those unwanted guests, pollen and seasonal allergies. April showers bring spring flowers and sniffly noses and stuffed up sinuses. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. I suffer from seasonal allergies. I just had them hit the other day. I couldn't breathe through my nose at all. And I popped a Claritin and it was like night and day. I'm a huge fan of Claritin. I use it on the regular and it always helps when we're making that transition from winter to spring, which is when my allergies flare up. Mainly it's my sinuses that get so clogged and the Claritin just clears it right up. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients and just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy throat and nose, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Ready to live your life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. I don't know if I've mentioned this on this podcast, but my mom was a school nurse and she one time had, and this is a a 15 year old, but still like you would think they would know nutrition at 15 and had a stomach ache. And my mom was like, well, have you had any like fruits or vegetables this morning? And she said, yeah, I had Skittles and chips colors like eat the rainbow <laughs> eat the rainbow not technically yeah those things yeah so that's tough do you know what she said to her yeah i was, was waiting like, yeah. i didn't know if there was like a- i know she just explained that she was like oh uh, yeah like that's technically candy and those are technically like a snack version of the potato like you are right that like it comes yeah. from potatoes but like and it is colorful. yeah she just like <laughs> broke it down yeah. i was like 
it's it's fruit inspired but right. like uh, an apple would be better or like an orange would be better you know what's crazy though is like if you think about kids today i don't know how long ago that was like now 15 year olds are on tiktok right mm-hmm. and they're on instagram and, and tiktok only has correct information a hundred percent especially dinner. about especially oh about my God. i just i Great job. I just went <laughs> on the news this morning to cover this trend. And Jen and I were laughing because the, the producer texted me, like, can you come on tomorrow to cover girl dinner? And I quickly Google, what is what girl dinner? dinner? Yeah. There's a new one. Fucking Did know. you see there's like girl dinner, girl dinner, yes. or whatever. That's Wait, like way the girl more with chaotic. The ice cream. Just like an ice cream <laughs> stick. Yeah. I oh, saw that like one. We're going nuts for no, girl dinner. And there's another one where it was like a girl dinner was like you just go to sleep because there's no food in the house. I saw or that whatever. one. Or like yeah. I saw one that was like Advil and Red Bull. And I'm like, all right, now yeah. we're just glorifying disordered Literally. eating. Let's go back to the original like, no, creator. No, 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 I love no. the snacky dinner idea. Yeah. A- well, do you think, though, that a lot of these girl dinners are just not enough? Because we were looking at some videos mm-hmm. and we were like, that's half a snack. So when I went down my rabbit hole yesterday on it, I think it started out with like incredible intentions. Like what yeah, Sam it's like the say. girl that yeah. first put it up. Yeah. Like, this is my girl dinner. And mm-hmm. she was kind of clearing her fridge out and like all the fun snacks, all the things. Not wanting to cook or especially we we use the, the concept of like safety meals in our practice a lot where like What's if you a have, safety meal? Where if like you're super high stress or you're having a bad oh, day. Uh, emergency meal. That's amazing. Or you're recovering oh from God. any type of eating pattern yeah. where like the idea of cooking just like really is difficult for yeah. you. And you're not going to eat if you have to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you have to cook or. Or if you're know, getting home from a vacation and something. like you don't have shit in your mm-hmm. house. Stuff like that. Having like a safety meal idea could be a snack plate type dinner but or snack plate type meal but i think so that first intention behind this trend was like really cool and now as you start watching more and more of them it's like turning into i saw somebody actually post on your video maybe um you know this reminds me of like the idea that women in general shouldn't eat as much as their male counterpart mm-hmm. or you know just not eating because they want XYZ outcomes and this whole idea is being twisted like everything becomes twisted on social media exactly but I think the beginning intention of the trend was like a really good idea and I think it could be really great for a lot of people to know that you can turn a snack type concoction into a meal as long as it has larger portions yeah or like enough yes. of this stuff do we right. do you have a bunch of safety ones that I do you like I do <laughs> can you list some so my favorite safety meal that I eat pregnant constantly mm-hmm. is a bowl of cereal yes, <laughs> yes. But always what I, good to have in the house what i love to do is i like um i personally like dairy milk uh-huh. um but i'll take to make it like a little more satisfying for me especially being pregnant um i'll take a scoop of unflavored protein powder and mix it into the milk and then pour it over my cereal and i'm done in four seconds that's so, so funny i literally had a conversation with a group of people this weekend that they were like when's the last time you had cereal i'm like this morning i keep cereal in the house all the time <laughs> I everybody cereal. looked at me like i had like five eyes oh, i was like what do you have for <laughs> breakfast and the answer was just like coffee or like i don't really have right. breakfast. and i was a lot like of people skip breakfast i can't i i don't think it's a good idea it's not yeah. But For what me. I like about the girl dinner <laughs> yeah. trend is that I feel like it's gl- glorifying to an extent 
convenience foods mm-hmm. because yeah. social media traditionally and if dairy. we think yes a lot of cheese on yes <laughs> but if you think about like instagram and tiktok it's like all these aesthetically pleasing and there's nothing wrong with being aesthetically pleasing but feeling like your meal has to be this big production perfect. and look picture perfect and so i love how it's like here's a pickle jar here you know it's just like a bunch of things mm-hmm. coming out of the fridge so i was like finally like we're showcasing realistic looking food but again now it's shifting into more Disorder, like glorifying disordered eating. For yeah. sure. And yes. what's appealing about it to me is that it's a lot of different things. Like yes, you said, there's like, no right way to do it. I, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Like, I noticed that if I go away for a weekend, my boyfriend will just order a big pizza and just eat the pizza for two and a half, three, three days. days. <laughs> yeah, like, or he'll, he'll get like a rotisserie chicken or like yeah. order from a chicken place and just have the same thing over and over. Boy, I can't. That's <laughs> Actually, I saw a video of a girl breaking that down where she was showing she was with her friend. Their girl dinner was like all these fun things and leftovers. And then she said her boyfriend sent her a picture of what he was eating. And it was like a steak that was just like this big. <laughs> and, and she was like, that's a boy dinner. And a girl dinner, uh-huh. she's like, is volume and variety. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like, we, lo- we love a good crunch and a texture. And yeah, totally. girls love to graze. Yeah. yeah. And at first I think we were like, why is it called a girl dinner? Like we were kind of taking yeah. issue with it. But then I realized... No, it is kind of true. I, yeah. There is something I've I, seen boys do girl dinner, but it's like it's it's part of our culture. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like a preference dinner. It's like, what am I in the mood for, yes. and can I put these yeah. things on a plate and just make sure it satisfies? And a leveled up charcuterie. Like, who doesn't yeah. love charcuterie? And it's just like leveled up, more satisfying. It's like, what that. would your guys's ideal girl dinner be? Ooh. Like Ooh, picking from I a lot of different this. things. I feel like my answer is going to be skewed right now, but you go first. Because of the pregnancy. <laughs> yes. Baby but wants. I feel like you're going to like some of what I, because I know what you uh-huh. like, but so I'm 50% Greek. So like mm. load up chunks of feta, mm. all mm. of the olives, like cucumber, oregano, oil, crunchy cracker. I'm trying to think like some type of like prosciutto or a meat on there. So basically a charcuterie portion. <laughs> My mouth is <laughs> Tons of pickles. What? You like dolma? No, I don't even know what that is. Why well, don't I know that? Stuffed grape leaves. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love yeah. them. Yes, tzatziki. Like, mm-hmm. just basically, now I'm just a great gyro. That was the original girl dinner was a messy plate. Yeah. Right. So, mm. She had the burrata, I think, in the middle and the melon. Oh, right? oh I love yes. burrata and melon. That was so good. Like pistachio mm-hmm. and like a honey glaze or mm. something. Yeah. I don't know what mine would be now. I, I mean, like I can't the, melon, the melon, I'm picturing like a nectarine. Any type of um, soft cheese that I can't eat at the moment in the middle. Mm. (laughs) Crackers and pretzels because I'm a big pretzel girl. And then honestly, some sort of protein that's not meat, I think, is what I would want. And I don't know what that would be at this moment in time. But even something like deli slices, like turkey slices would be really good Mm. with like some crunchy vegetables. I used to roll pickles in turkey and dip them in mustard. So basically that was like Wait, but but I don't dip it in mustard. I do like a hummus or a like just a turkey with a pickle in the middle. It's like it's like a little deconstructed cubano. Should we start that as a trend on TikTok? Guys, no, because this is making me think of the cottage cheese and mustard lady. Does anybody see that? No, yeah, explain. Have you seen that? I haven't haven't done this. No, it's insane. Okay. She literally sits and like 
will talk really close to the microphone and like crunch her hearts of palm. Like nobody. I act- love hearts of palm. Oh, that would be my girl dinner. <laughs> but dipped into ch- um, no, a mixture of cottage anything. cheese and mustard. Oh, it, no, it's so nauseating yeah. to me. Because it's a weight palm loss. Make me want to You don't like hearts of palm in general? No, I like hearts of palm, but not dipped in mustard. Oh no, me neither. Yeah, I mean, it's and just cottage bananas. cheese. And That's then she'll put take wild. like an entire. I love a chicken sausage. Like love it. But like I slice mine up and I'll put it in pasta or something. Yeah. She takes this like huge chicken sausage and dunks it in her cottage Dude, cheese. That and just like, made my stomach yeah. I know. Now. And t- I'm like, like this ASMR bite. No offense to this woman. If, like, no, we no don't want to yuck your yum. No, but, but you know what? True. She is doing it for weight loss. Right. Like, yeah, I think she's she low profile. pounds doing this yeah. or something. Oh, it's not even her yum necessarily. No, 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 no. So I don't think she just like loves mustard. I think mustard, <laughs> mustard. But I think mustard on social media has become like a condiment that's equated Calorie. to dieting. Yes, but I just yes. love. Mustard. I was like, where'd that come from? Yeah, <laughs> Calorie free. No, but it kind of reminds me of my college roommate who would walk around with a tub of mustard and eat it with a spoon and just be like, mm, <gasps> I love mustard. Wait, we like did that too. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, got a lot of potassium. We would like oh like God. take shots of it, like a sake shot. We loved mustard, oh and we did cheese in it. Oh no. I mean, we also were binge drinking, oh so like God. I was drunk. But did you love it for diet reasons as well? Or? No, I just okay. have always loved you just mustard. Like I'm a yeah. mustard. So I hate mayonnaise. Love mustard. Mm. Interesting. They are very different, and I don't like ranch. Everyone, silence. Silence. Not crickets. You put Sleep. crickets in the in that when you edit it. <laughs> I'm not a ranch girl, but but bathe me in tzatziki and I'm good. Mm-hmm. So How about a blue just, cheese? Yes. Oh no. 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 She's not on no. that side of the of the. Not on. I'm like horrified right yeah. now. See, but let's let's bring this into intuitive eating. You're allowed. Oh, love ketchup. Great, but it has to be on like Gosh. a crispy, crunchy fry, <laughs> not on a hot dog. What? See? Okay, so let's bring this back into intuitive eating. Yeah. You're allowed to have preferences. Yes. Yes. It's so funny when Jen and I, if we share anything of like, you know, a snack idea or whatever, it's like, well, what if I want this? It's like, you're allowed then to have it. Right. My favorite thing my dad says is if you're like, he offers you something and you're like, I don't like that. He goes, good, more for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. You know, it's like, it's, it's the true. best response. Preference yes. makes the world go round. I, I think one of the biggest lessons I personally learned in my own food freedom journey and that I love to work with clients on is understanding the difference between a preference and a rule. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. So whereas this woman on social media, I don't know who she is. She might be enjoying heavy air quotes, mustard and cottage cheese together and saying that she actually likes it. But the intention behind it is that this is the least amount of calories. It's more protein and it's giving some flavor to Mm -hmm. my food versus someone like Sammy who very genuinely enjoys mustard. I don't do sake shots or somebody like me who I genuinely will buy a can of Hearts of Palm and And that will be a snack of mine. I love it. Your intention is enjoying it. Yeah. Not for intentional weight loss. Exactly. So I think that that's like a very, it's a tough line for a lot of clients to walk because something like a salad becomes very confusing in the mm-hmm. beginning of your journey or yes. vegetables in mm-hmm. general. Yes. Once you want a nutrient dense yes. meal, you're like, yeah. am I dieting? Am I bad? Yeah. Right. Am yeah. I regressing? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. is this the wrong choice? Like, should I get the cheeseburger even though I want the salad? Like those questions become really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so easy for somebody on social media to say, I absolutely love this chicken sausage dunked in blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But like, no, we all know your bio says so-and-so weight loss on it. Like, this is the reason why you enjoy it versus mm-hmm. genuinely enjoying it. And if somebody does, that's great. <laughs> How do you know when something is a real regression? Hmm. 
I, I'm like a little child when I am working with a client, I just constantly ask why. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm doing this. Why? Tell me more. You're literally me. Just, just why? <laughs> yeah, that is Remy. Yeah. Just tell me more. Why? Yeah, tell me more. And just and just coming from a place of like, there is no judgment. There is no shame. Because it takes time to build that with a client because they're so used to a tr- traditional authoritative dietitian, like pointing a finger and mm-hmm. telling them what to do. Yeah. And it's like, there's no shame if you are doing something for that intentional weight loss, but everyone knows that answer, but only they can tell us that answer. So mm-hmm. just, I think it's just creating a safe space for your client to be able to share whatever's coming up. Mm-hmm. And I think also like the pattern, like if it becomes a pattern yeah, and the, like what we were talking about before with the anxiety and the intensity and the time, yes. that connection yeah. becomes Definitely. stronger and stronger, but put it towards food, like the guilt that's connected to it or, you know, the questioning of self that might happen and spiral after, mm-hmm. um, that would trigger like a, hey, maybe we should take a step back and take a look at really what our behaviors are. So I have a, a two-parter question of we've asked this to a few people and it's always a little murky and so if your answer is we understand but (laughs) what is the difference between disordered eating and an eating disorder and do people need to know which one they fall into I think to answer part two yes and no Mm -hmm. and part one is the lines are very blurry and that's like the true answer. I think if you Google it, and I have before, um, the Alliance for Eating Disorders has a great article mm-hmm. on, it's alliancefored.com, mm-hmm. has a great article on what is the difference. And the truth is, is when you start to really dig into it, disordered eating is the gateway into an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And it's when it's taken too far. Yeah. Right. And that line of too far is going to be different for every single person. Um, and that's why medical teams are really important. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so much like white supremacy, fat phobia that is leached into the eating disorder world that yes. before, you know, for anorexia nervosa, you had to have a certain BMI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then they start calling it atypical anorexia when someone resides in a larger body. Mm-hmm. But then we're finding the majority of people with anorexia reside in a larger body. So why is it called so atypical? That's the more typical one. So you're, it's just, we did an episode with Sharon Maxwell, who we absolutely love. Uh, she's a wonderful just advocate in uh-huh. the eating disorder space, Alliance for ED is wonderful. Project Heal is wonderful. We can give these resources where they do a great way of just really defining and also touching marginalized communities because Mm -hmm. there's just like with dietetics, how there's so much unpacking of fat phobia that needs to be done. Same thing goes for eating disorder as well. And I think the statistic that Sharon gave us, and I don't want to mess it up, but I think it's 96, 94% of of what? Anorexia is quote unquote atypical. I remember it being large. It was larger than 80%. It was was an astounding stat. Mm -hmm. So like, why is that being called atypical when the majority of people do not meet this quote unquote BMI um, for the diagnosis? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense because, um, because people can only get down to a certain weight. I mean, I know there's different studies, but you actually posted a video about set point theory. And I I wanted to ask both of you about it because I think it's fascinating that the whole theory um, that there's this range that your body just naturally wants to stay in. And that's why a lot of people complain about hitting a 
plateau when they're trying to lose weight. It's like it's their body fighting to stay the same size. Save them. <laughs> yeah. So like for me personally, when I was at my worst um, in my eating disorder, I was still technically a healthy weight. Mm -hmm. But if you look at photos and certainly the way that I was feeling and the way that things were deteriorating, like my teeth and my skin and it was not healthy. So mm -hmm. it that can't be the parameter. Like it can't be you need to be below a certain BMI to qualify for this. But um, but what what do you guys think about set point? I always send the article on Sam's website to people when they ask me this question. I'm like, what article is on my website? I, can you send me the link? It's the set point theory article. It's great. Okay, great. Great. Guys, check it out. Yeah, check it out. But, but I do want to say too, back to the eating disorders we were speaking about is how many people in larger bodies have eating disorders. Then they go to the doctor and the doctor is telling them, hey, have you thought about losing weight? Have you thought totally. about a diet? Right. Here's yeah. an Ozempic script. And just because they live in a larger body. So what, when it comes to like the stats of, or, or the, even the diagnosis, mm -hmm. people think, oh, I'm not sick enough because right, I'm not sure. small enough. And so there's just, there's just so much nuance to that answer. So I yeah, apologize. Yeah, yeah. We couldn't give you like no, no straight worries. facts on that. Cause I think there's a lot to unpack. I think there's a big gray area. Yeah. Have, can you guys, and have you guys ever prescribed Ozempic or some type of semi-glutide? Have oh no no no, <laughs> oh, no. we, we cannot. don't have, we're like, not doctors okay yeah. um, and again I think it comes back or, or med spas yeah <laughs> right <laughs> some of the ads I see for that are like the girls in like a bra and like low rise jeans with like a tat and it's like want weight loss drugs like this is what we have oh, in yeah. Florida apparently um, Jesus Christ yeah. I haven't seen that <laughs> yeah but oof, yeah. that's a whole nother podcast I know, episode yeah. I don't know if we want to go down that thing and it's so complicated hole. it's yeah. so complicated because I think a lot of people feel like oh if I can call obesity a chronic disease and this is the medication that I'm using for this disease like they feel a lot of freedom in that mm -hmm. um because they feel like you know it's not my fault I have a disease and I can take medication and I don't know it, like, I personally don't have a problem with that, but it seems to be so much more widespread than that, where, like, anybody can get access to this for any reason at any time. And it's just so dangerous. Yeah. And then that would make that if, if that's true, like, I don't believe the size of somebody's body is, is a, a disease, is a disease, no. right, period, right, right. right? Yeah. So it's just, it, it all comes back to big pharma and just... Money, money, money. Mm -hmm. Capitalism, baby. Yep. Sam and I talked about this before when we were having lunch, actually, that, you know, our role as registered dietitians, we don't typically get asked that question because people know, like, our how we counsel or how we work with people. For sure. Um, mm -hmm. But our role. No, I knew as, the answer. I knew, but I wanted to see what your faces did but when I, I asked it. Our role truly, though, as registered dietitians is to give the facts that we know and yeah. the studies that we know and the science that we know right now, mm -hmm. explain what we know, explain the mechanism of the drug, and then tell the person, if this is something you want to pursue, I'm not the right you know, exactly. person for you, exactly. but there's definitely somebody out there. Right. People I, I was <laughs> thinking about the people that are coming in and being like, well, my only goal is weight loss. And your only answer is, okay, but it can't be like, we don't do that here. Yeah. And we, there are many people we could refer you to that will happily help you do that. Mm -hmm. But that's yeah. just not our, our mission. Yeah. Okay. Backtrack. Yes. Set point. We totally. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> right Sorry. <over> <laughs> 
So when we look at set point theory um, and we look at a set point weight, we know through the determinants of health that our weight is tied to our genetics and our biology. So when we look at nutrition, movement, like physical activity, all of that is in our individual behaviors, but that's where people run to, to, okay, I'm going to, you know, move more, eat less, and that's going to shapeshift my body. But we talked about plateaus and how when people hit plateaus are, why is my body not letting me lose weight? Our bodies have a place of homeostasis where they feel really, really comfortable at. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is tied to genetics and biology. Now, our set point can change throughout our life due to pregnancy, medications, diseases and conditions. Dieting. Dieting, chronic (laughs) dieting. Thank you. Yo-yo dieting is one of the biggest things that increases set point. So set point can fluctuate, but everybody has a different set point weight and we don't get to choose what that range is. Yeah. Yeah. And the range can get bigger or smaller. And I think one of the things, I love the word homeostasis and it's where you're, too. right? It's I, a great word. Right? It makes I kind of feel like, cozy. You, you know what it reminds me of? Mitochondria. Exactly. Yes. I love that word. Yes. It's, so funny it. <laughs> it's so funny you just said you love that the word because I, lo- I never thought about how much I love that word. Right? Like Every time I go in the ocean, I think to myself, homeostasis, homeostasis? will help me. But You know, like if it's really cold, I'm like, homeostasis, homeostasis. And the definition is like safety, right? Or it's like where your body feels and equilibrium. Right? And that word just makes me feel safe. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like it's very I don't know consistent. why I pulled mitochondria out. Sorry, it just <laughs> no. like was another one of those. Cytoplasm. Oh, like, she goes, powerhouse of powerhouse the cell. <laughs> I'm picturing what it looks like in I like can, um, yes. it's the magic like school bus. Yes. Right? With like the a bean with like little, little like vessels. <laughs> Guys, I miss bio. Right? Oh, God. <laughs> you know what I failed twice? Is chemistry, but here I am. So, but here we are. Wow! Twice. If little you could see you now. I mean, I remember when I was filling out my exams for college, like the pre-entrance exams. My dad was like, "Just like make sure that you don't try and be extra smart in the science area because <gasps> we don't want you like going into like the extra credit science because we know what's going to happen." Right. <laughs> like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Love him, but he I was failed right. my driving <laughs> test twice, and I'm the best driver now. See? So, oh, love that for you. It's just trying again. We never give up. Yeah. I just passed it the first time. Good job. job. And I'm not a great driver. So. <laughs> See? Wait, but what about homeostasis? So <laughs> I just feel like when it comes to the set point theory and what Sam just explained so beautifully, again, her, on her website, on Fine Food Freedom's website, there's a great article Love on this. it. Um, but it's where your body feels safest and it's where what you can do to help yourself find that. It's where you're living and eating without that guilt or shame or yep. eating without a lot of thought into Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. and moving in a way that feels good and you're really working on those behaviors and your body just naturally stays there right and it feels comfortable it's where your body can live without a lot of micromanagement and um i know that i'm sure people will question like well what about disease states and so on and so forth a hundred percent those can impact the thought process around food, but when you're truly in that, your body's like safest space, you'll be able to manage your disease state, whatever that might be, and the way that you feel about it Mm -hmm. more comfortably. Yeah, we had Dr. Naomi on and she said something that I've been thinking about for a long time that she's like, yes, you want body positivity, but you want it most when you're treating your body properly. I love that. You know, and I was like, Oh, yeah. Like, of course, it is hard to feel so good about myself when I'm not taking care of myself. 
because of physically unpleasant and mentally, and mentally unpleasant. unpleasant. Yeah, can we yeah. uncouple those and unpack them totally. separately? And when you go to like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs too, the bottom of the pyramid is food. Mm. <laughs> like it's your body's main source of a need that leads to feeling safe that allows other things to happen in your life, right? Mm-hmm. So when we think about like mentally what happens when we start restricting food or not treating our bodies with respect or our brains with respect, our whole self, you know, we start taking away that safety, Mm -hmm. right? And it trickles into so many other areas. Um, I mean, I personally can relate to it and know that, like you shared before, Emily, like when I was my sickest, it was when I was being praised the most on the outside and literally every area of my life was falling apart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't think I even talked to you for like those two years. I remember like like, (laughs) you were very on edge. Like your personality was different. Like there, there, like I loved you wholeheartedly, but I, I think like looking back now, (laughs) like I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know. And I wouldn't tell anybody. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's also when you're in that space, you're getting your energy not from food but from the way that people are treating you and the external way external validation yeah. yes 100%. and you know to be better i had to in, in order to continue to get that feedback i had to continue doing more and more and more and taking away more which was literally crumbling my entire life around me mm-hmm. um but again we live in the society where that's being praised and you're being put on this pedestal and i would just cover it with makeup and just carry on right mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so when it comes to homeostasis, though, like my body was literally freaking out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you it weren't was, in your right place. No. Nope. Yeah. Very far from it. Yeah. And it was a very scary place where, again, on the, from the outside, ev- nobody thought it was a problem when you just physically looked at me. Yeah. Right? It's, it's really crazy. No, mm-hmm. I, I've always thought that was so messed up looking back on how I would think that eating disorders were an accomplishment. Mm. I'd be like, oh, wow, they're so... The discipline. Yeah. Motivated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyone that uses the word discipline, I'm like, red flag. Red flag. <laughs> like, yeah. Willpower, red flag. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear it. Lifestyle, red flag. Like, yeah. I'm done with these words. Oh, no, you could just be like, oh, that person takes really actual good care of themselves. Yeah. You know, it's not like, oh, they're so disciplined this morning. Like, they really listen to their body and they, they really like enjoy life. You know what it comes down to? I think so simply self-compassion and being kind to yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many people can say that they are so self-compassionate and kind to themselves. I know that's something I've struggled with my yeah. whole life. And that just like encompasses diet culture. Oh, when I saw people doing it, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you like yourself? You like yourself? <laughs> and how? Yes. Wait, so have you good guys, about yeah. you? <laughs> have you guys heard the sound on TikTok where it's like, hi, a Barbie? Hi, Ken. Yeah. That one? Yeah. <laughs> I posted that so well. Okay, I'm very proud of you. I posted one this morning where it's like, the bar, hi, a Barbie is like how we talk to other people and hi, yes. Ken is how we talk to ourselves. Right? Oh. And it's so true true if we could flip that around like how amazing would we be so true (laughs) i had a brother say to me when we were growing up that your brother food yeah a brother of mine (laughs) Um, just a random brother that just happened to be a brother he was around someone's brother someone's brother that's all i know about every boy is someone's brother (laughs) um no a brother of mine was telling me at one point that like food is fuel it's just fuel and like that's great and I feel so good about that and 
I sometimes like will force myself to eat in the morning because I'm like food is fuel. And like then I start thinking that I'm like, is this an okay way to think or should we be like enjoying food? Like how do you guys feel about happiness versus fuel? I think food is fuel, but it is also Mm -hmm. happiness, Mm -hmm. emotions, memories. Yes. What are some other words we can add into that? Nostalgia. Yeah, nostalgia. Enjoyment. It fills up so many buckets. Yeah. But I think But you, it is also fuel. It yeah. is fuel. <laughs> and I think you can it doesn't always have to be the same thing every day. So if you wake up some days and you genuinely feel nauseous at the thought of food and you're like, I just am not physically hungry right now, mm-hmm. it is okay to not eat in that moment. Yeah. But I also think it's important to say like, okay, well, what does the rest of my day look like? Am I going into three recordings where then Mm -hmm. now I'm not eating until 2 Mm p.m.? Because there is something to be said about actively eating even when you're not hungry. Preparing to not be hungry later. And that is an act of self-care as well. So there's no like perfect way to answer that question. But I would say it's multiple things, just like Jenna alluded to. Cool. Yeah, I, I'm with you, though, because I used to envy people like that. Like I would envy people who'd say, like, I just see food as fuel. Yeah. Like, or, you know, I, I've also heard, and you know what? Now that I think of it, it's always men that say this, which is interesting. <laughs> but yeah, I've heard um, quite a few men say, like, oh, eating is so un- if I could just take a pill and just not be hungry. And I'm uh-huh. like, oh, that is just we don't live on the same planet. Yeah. Um, I feel like when you start to think about food, not just as fuel, but as a source of happiness and comfort, your life actually improves because we do it at least three times a day. You know, Mm -hmm. like you spend so much of your life eating, preparing to eat, sharing meals with people. It's such a source of joy. And it actually like it's enriched my life to be able to enjoy food. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's also nice to look down at a plate and be like, it took so many generations for this meal to be able to be made. Like first they had to discover wheat. Then they had to figure out how to farm tomatoes. Did you smoke a joint before you ate that meal? Which is like, I love the way you went with that though. I've never thought that way. Oh, and now I'm going to do that. It. I'm always like, oh, how cool is it? Like in the Silk Road and <laughs> I thought, spices. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going the way, which then my head was like, oh, I've never thought about it this way. But every meal you eat, you're also probably all of us breaking generational trauma of dieting to you're making an active decision of like i'm gonna eat this food enjoy it food has no morality yeah let me eat the damn thing your greek ancestors would be proud so proud thank you jenna i wanted to ask you about this because you were quoted in the new york post recently (laughs) um because rebel wilson in an interview had claimed that she drastically reduced her calories to lose weight and, and maintain that weight loss and um, she went on to say that people can only persist or can persist on only 600 calories a day. Ooh. And then she went even further. Somebody should have stopped her. But she it was went, so bad, wasn't it? It was so bad. <laughs> she went on oh. further to say that people who sit at desks all day are consuming a lot of calories and not burning them off. So they really should be consuming less, which is kind of like. At least I interpret it as kind of implying that whatever calories you eat, you have to then burn them off, which we know not. Or if you're like, sitting all day, you can't eat. The tragic. That was really good. You were quoted as saying that she should, rather than you know, shame people for being sedentary and and eating, 
to remind the large audience she reaches that your body and brain still require fuel no matter what your day looks like. Every single day. And I think, you know, I think she retracted part of that statement and said she only ate the 600 calories or whatever it was for a very short period of time, which didn't make it any better. I was going to say, doesn't (laughs) matter. And that she didn't recommend it, quote unquote, unless working with a professional, again, doesn't make it any better. Um, But yeah, I mean, what she was implying in that statement is that if you're sitting, you can't consume fuel. And the reality is if you have a job, you need energy. And like we were just saying, Mm -hmm. you need nutrients to be able to compute, to type, to think, to speak, to do your job every single day. And I think your brain, I always mess up this number. I should know this. I think it's 150 grams of carbohydrates. I think it's over 200 Right between those two numbers, okay. like, needs that per day, day to yeah. function. And then when you think about bodies, because what was it, Elena? What's her name? We love her. That does the eating disorder TikToks. Oh, free. Yes, she did the TikTok. How your organs need thirteen hundred calories a day just for your organs to function properly. Yeah, uh, just your organs. That's not like anything else. That's no movements or anything. And we're not being taught this. Like I wasn't taught that in health class. I was no. only taught about you know exercise being good for you and you mm-hmm. know not to. I, I was taught not to overeat, quote junk food and stuff like that. But yes. nobody told good me how many calories class. my brain needs. Or mm-hmm. I think it was one hundred and eighty grams yeah, of carbs I, your brain needs. I've yes. never mm-hmm. heard that. No, I never would have known that. And look, I mean, from that article where she was saying the the understanding of, you know, if you're sitting all day long, is that health promoting? Like she could have changed that statement and said, you know, if you are sitting all day long at your desk, something really good to do for your health would be stand up once yeah. per hour, right? <laughs> yeah. like, take a walk around your office, yeah. like go get a glass of water. Sit on a yoga ball. Like do something to Have stretch, move desk. some blood around, right? Like those are really great health promoting tips that are rooted in caring about someone's health mm-hmm. versus basically saying if you have a desk job, which let's be honest, 90% of yeah. people do. Yeah. yeah. You know, you shouldn't eat lunch or you're lazy. It comes with such privilege to say that. What does she know about having a desk job? Also that. (laughs) That's just going to say. It comes with such privilege to say, like, if you're sitting all day, like, that's a bad thing when it's like people are going to work. Yeah, you can can't see just her having out. had a desk job and then just being like, well, it didn't work out for me then. But now that I'm a celebrity with, like, a lot of other options and mm-hmm. money. And, yeah, like, it's like, oh, like, the only things that's changed is I don't have a desk job anymore <laughs> like, right, it's like right. that's not that's no. not the thing that that's changed. not the only thing that changed yeah yeah so many red flags that, that i article. mean it's hard because again for people talking about it that understand eating disorders and disordered eating it's like is anyone gonna tell her like you know like right. and it's hard because we can't diagnose an eating disorder from an article but mm-hmm. you read that and you're like whoa red flags red flags red flags there is a small part of me i felt the same way when Kim Kardashian was talking about losing 16 pounds and or whatever it was in in three weeks by wearing the sauna suit and restricting her food and so that really she could wear the dress. Doing. Yeah, like there's a small part of me that's like, well, at least they're being honest about the drastic measures that you actually need to take to drop weight that fast. Um, it's not healthy at all, and it shouldn't be encouraged. But at least they're not, you know, just allowing people to think that that naturally happened or that. But could they at least put a disclaimer? This is not healthy and I don't recommend it because I feel (laughs) like they kind of glorify it. Like, look what I did. Right. Right? Look what I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And people are like, oh, maybe I can do that. Mm. Right. And definitely did. 
Right. No. Is the question. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know? I guess, and everyone has full body autonomy. And we always say that, like, yes. we're, that we're sharing our intuitive eating message, our anti-diet message. And mm-hmm. if people want to partake in it, great. If they don't, that's okay. fine too. Yeah. We'll be here for you when if you ready. ever are. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, if there's one thing that our listeners should take away from this conversation or one thing that you just would like people to understand about dietetics or, or health or intuitive eating, what would it be? Mm. I think, okay, well, I'll go with one of my two favorites. Okay. Um, I think when it comes down to it, your diet or the food that you eat every day, if it's enjoyable, it's repeatable, right? And repeated actions create change. And if the change that you are looking for is improvement in your health and the way that you feel, make the behaviors that you engage in enjoyable. So that comes down to what you're eating, so that you're enjoying the foods that you're eating and how you're managing your stress and how you feel when you wake up in the morning and how you're moving your body. If you actually enjoy partaking in these actions you will naturally want to do more of them to Mm -hmm. continue to chase that feeling of feeling good Mm -hmm. in your skin and understanding what that feels like when your digestion is normal Mm -hmm. and you wake up not exhausted and you're sitting down to eat and you can look at a menu and pick something that you want to eat from it right without that stress or that anxiety about it and when you can continuously do that you're going to improve your health outcomes, which will improve your life. So mm-hmm. how can you apply that? Is it like finding a form of movement that you actually like? Definitely something. Yeah. <laughs> or really asking yourself, like, what foods do I like? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, when have you, not you, but when yeah. have, or any of us, or any listener, like, actually sat down and was like, what do I want to eat right now? Mm-hmm. Not what should I eat? Mm-hmm. What am I allowed to eat? What am I allowed within the context of these rules? Like, what do I want to eat? Yeah. And have you ever actually followed through on that? Right? And if the answer is no, it's a great place to start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think for many of us, it, it's, it's, Finding out what you want to eat, making that decision is so unnecessarily stressful. It can be. Yeah. And that also can be like a Also stocking your flag. fridge. Like sometimes you just stock it the way that you know it, like that's how you stock a fridge. And it's like, no, stock it with more stuff that you actually like and that you'll eat. That you want yeah. to eat. That you want to eat. Yeah. yeah. That's why I love your guys' um, Trader Joe's hauls. Because <laughs> it's like so many fun foods, so many different kinds of breads and uh, like all the this things. makes me want to go grocery shopping yeah. I, we love grocery shopping See, <laughs> that's, I where, that's our relationship started mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that's so cute <laughs> i think so a lot of people cute. get stressed out it's going to the grocery cute. store though totally yeah. yeah well they do because think about why they're going and not or how many labels they have to read or numbers yeah. they have to stay below or who they're thinking of when they're food shopping now and it's probably like the shirtless men on tiktok or mm. all the guys in Yelling. the aisles what's his name fucking bobby Ugh. Sometimes oh. I just get there and I'm like, I'm so cold. It is I can't so be in cold. the cold section anymore. I need to get out of here. And Ben's like, wait outside. Like, you're insane. <laughs> we used to wear like turtlenecks yeah. in the winter yes, or in, in the summer. In the summer because when yeah. you're in a store for eight hours yeah, a day, we worked in there. It's yeah. Amazing. It's nuts. <laughs> yeah. And Sam, I guess, same question. So I would say, I learn a lot from my clients. My one client said this to me at the end of working together. She said, it's not intuitive eating, it's intuitive living. Mm -hmm. And Jenna really alluded to this too, of like once you walk on an intuitive eating journey and really get immersed in it, it affects every aspect of your life because obsessing about food and body image is not normal. And so if there's a listener listening to this and they're realizing that 
80% of their thoughts all day long or about how much they're eating calories, portions, macros, what their body looks like. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to get that support and know that when you do make peace with food in your body, you can actually live your life and yeah. enjoy things. And like we said earlier, it's really not about food. Once you make <laughs> peace with food, you get to do so many things. Um, so for anyone listening, just know it's okay if you need to ask for help because you're not supposed to do yeah. this alone. And help in the form of like we've said therapy before, but sometimes mm-hmm. like maybe even therapy isn't the avenue it could be going to a dietitian. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to find the right one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to find the right one. The right mindset. mindset. These ones sound good. <laughs> We're here for you. Something <laughs> else. You got to practice. <laughs> <laughs> Something else too to consider is that, you know, eating food in general should make you feel good. Right. And I think a lot of times people leave meals, especially doing TikTok trends and things like that, feeling empty or hungry or uncomfortable. Um, And that's not a place that you have to live. Yeah. I think that's a good reminder. That's why I don't do restaurant week anymore. Because you go into that, you go into one of those restaurants, they give you a tasting menu. It's a real good deal. You leave hungry. Right. And you're mad. Mm. Um, Which is a little different, but the same concept. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Where can our listeners find and follow you guys? So together we have a podcast. It's What the Actual Fork Pod on Instagram. What the Actual Fork Podcast on all of the places that you may listen to podcasts. Um, And me, Jenna Warner, you can find me on all of the socials at happystronghealthy.rd. And you can find me, Sam Previtt, at find.food.freedom on Instagram or findfoodfreedom on TikTok. Now it's time for our favorite segment of the episode, Last Licks, presented by Panera. It's officially summer salad season at Panera, and they're celebrating by bringing back their iconic strawberry poppy seed salad. This delicious dish is served only when strawberries are in peak season because that's when they're juicy and taste the best. Topped with a poppy seed dressing, this craveable salad is only around through the end of the summer. So swing by Panera and try it today. I'm officially hungry, so let's dive into our last licks. Emily, do you want to kick us off? I would love to. Great. My last lick, it happened yesterday. And for some reason, I categorize some foods as lunch foods and some foods as dinner foods. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of like permanently in those categories in my brain. And it's not for any particular reason, but one of those things is Chinese food. Mm -hmm. I just like never think to go to a Chinese restaurant for For lunch lunch or Uh to order Chinese for lunch or to have Chinese leftovers even. I've categorized it as a dinner food. And guess what, guys? It's so much more than that. Mm. You can have Chinese food. at You can have it for breakfast if you want. Yeah. Anyway, it was 12 noon. I had these Chinese leftovers. It was this really good chicken and broccoli and these like flat spinach noodles with sesame sauce from this one particular place in uh, in Brooklyn that just the Chinese food is unmatched. Mm-hmm. And I had it for lunch. And I got to tell you, the level of satisfaction that I felt, I haven't felt in quite some time. There was something Unreal. really <laughs> special about eating Chinese food for lunch. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything But like these that? were leftovers, right? They were leftovers. Yeah. And so isn't it like they get a little better? The they next day sometimes. always get better the next day. Like I don't want to use the word congealed in a positive way, but it congeals in a positive way. Yeah, it congeals in a very Especially positive way. Especially a chicken and broccoli. Like the 
the brown sauce like just clings to the top of the trees that much more and it's like all soaked in and nice. Yes. And then you reheat it. I mean, obviously you don't want it to be like jam. Yeah. How do you reheat it? In the microwave. Oh, no. No. How do you reheat it? On the stovetop. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would have done that, but I was feeling lazy. It gets a little rubbery in the microwave, I will say. Well, I'll note that for next time. But it was still amazing. So I don't know why I'm yucking your yum. <laughs> no, it's okay. No, I should I should heat things up on the stovetop. Also, the microwave is not, you know, the best. I was feeling lazy. It was a lazy meal. But it happens. It was just like the best lunch that I've had in a while. Yeah. And it made me really think about, oh, what else do I only order for yeah. dinner that I could be having for lunch? Mm-hmm. And there are other things. Thai food. Yeah. Sushi, oddly enough. Sushi. Is like, a dinner food. Dinner food. That's a dinner food. You can have sushi for breakfast as well. But, oh, and similarly, mm-hmm. sandwiches, lunch foods, not dinner foods. But like, why can't I have a sandwich for dinner? I, I, you know, it's a restriction. It's a restriction. Thank you so much for saying that. And so that's, you know, it's not half as bad as as ways that I've restricted myself yeah. in the past, but it's but still it's great like to a, yeah. continue noticing these things. And you're undoing it. Yeah. Which is good. Mine was leftovers as well. Mm. Also Asian leftovers. I had really good hibachi. I didn't eat enough of it when I was there. And so I was like, I'm going to take all these home. Uh, I was in a hotel at the time. And the next morning I watched like three hours of Love Island. I ate my cold ass hibachi, which you would not think was amazing yeah, what are we like talking about? Fried rice? Fried rice with shrimp, chicken, and steak. Okay. Like chicken fried or, you know, that fried rice that yeah. has like the egg in it and stuff. Yeah. And love then it. all the meats that came with it. Did and you have a um a tool to reheat this? No. So you ate it cold? Yeah. Sometimes and at first I was like, oh, this is going to be so bad. Like this is going to be stupid and like I'm not even going <laughs> to like this. Um, and it was delicious and hit the spot. Hit the spot. The episodes were good. It was Casa Amor. I need to catch up. Don't give anything okay, away. Okay. Don't give it. Um, I, I was just saying, like, I always feel like it's so much longer than it actually is. Love Island, I'm mm-hmm. talking about. Like, because I because I binge it. So getting through 50 episodes of something is like, oh, my God, this is taking Time years. in here is different than on the outside world. Truly. Yeah. And it's not Friend Island. It's no. Love Island. Oh, but isn't it cute when it's Friend Island? Yes. But yeah, I loved I loved my leftovers. We like them cold. We like them warm. Depends on the mood. Love a last lick that is uh, a last night lick as well. Yes, truly. That's it for Last Licks presented by Panera. Make sure to swing by Panera and try all of their delicious salads this summer, whether it's their iconic strawberry poppy seed salad or their all-new Southwest Caesar salad with chicken. Mm. It's the perfect spot to grab some tasty, fresh food, whether you're on the go or catching up with friends. Enjoy a Panera salad today, like the strawberry poppy seed salad, by ordering in Panera's app or online at PaneraBread.com. That's P-A-N-E-R-A bread.com. Oh, you guys, that has been our episode. Thank you to our guests for being here. You guys were so fun. If you're listening, be sure to send your questions to DST at Betches.com to get them answered and follow us at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram. Yes. And if you like this episode, please write us a review and don't forget to check out our DST merch on shop.betches.com. Rate, review and subscribe and follow me at Lubination. 
Follow me at Remy Casimir. Follow Sam and Jenna. And remember, we're always with you through thick and thin. Diet Starts Tomorrow is produced by Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Aliza Zinn. Editing by Sean Kilby. Social media by Aliza Zinn. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Be sure to follow Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to dst at betches.com or your voicemails to 212-287-5650. Betches.